For each mouthful, there's an offensive expiation. Nice. I'm like, oh, now that's one crime. Oh, that's crime number two. Oh, crime number three. Podcast, episode 117, Tipitaka, part. Thank you, Sammy Hagar. Um, in which we'll be continuing to read Pakitia. Um, we'll start with part 27, or Roman numeral 27, of the section that we're in. If this is your first time seeing me, do go ahead and click right there. That will take you to episode 1 of the Tipitaka. It's a better place to start. I'd like to welcome our special guest for today, Yeshi Tsogyo. Once upon a time, about 1,300 years ago, there was a Tibetan princess in present-day Tibet. And uh, back then there were smaller kingdoms and so, uh, anyway. I'm telling the Cliff Notes version, by the way. I'm not a scholar, uh, no, nor a teacher. I'm just telling you a story, as far as I know it. Due to the, uh, to the onset of Kali Yuga, you're stuck with me rather than a scholar. But anyway, um, she was a devotee of the teachings of a man who came about 1,300 years before her, Lord Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama. Um, Mahayana Buddhism was present, flourishing to a certain degree, but still the minority religion in the region at that time. Now, um, skipping all the part where she was supposed to be the most beautiful woman in the world and all this yada yada BS that men like to talk about, uh, she eventually married a king, as princesses tend to do. And this particular king, uh, was moved to send for some scholar monks. One of particular note uh, was said to be a master in the Vajrayana path, which they hadn't really had much, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't have much of the Vajrayana teachings at that time. So the second Dharma king sent for Padmasambhava, and he went through some great preparations to enter into a land that was largely unfriendly toward Buddhism, uh, especially some new form of Buddhism that had developed recently in uh, Nalanda and a few other places. Um, basically, Mahayana plus Tantra, which basically means uh, burning incense and, and, and ringing bells and doing the chants on your own at home, as opposed to always needing to go to a temple. There were a few other practices that are more well-known, uh, but anyway. So uh, they sent for this particular scholar monk who was born in Pakistan, 
You don't see that bumper sticker quite as much as the other one now, do you? Um, though they don't, they, they didn't call it that back then. Uh, Udiana, I believe, was the uh, name of the region. And he had his own story, as everyone does. His teachers, of course, had their own stories. And uh, so he came and uh, met with the king. And shortly after meeting the king and the queen, now queen, Yeshitsogyo, Padmasambhava determined that the king was not in a position where he was ready to attain enlightenment in that particular lifetime. Uh, reasons such as that he, he wavers, he, he goes back and forth a lot. He's always trying to please the, uh, the more dominant religion, which was not Buddhism. Uh, there were various people around the court. He, was, he had his mind on politics quite a lot. Uh, but his wife, the queen, had been, as I said, devoted. She wanted to be a nun. She didn't want to be married off to the king, but against her will, she was. And uh, so this teacher found a, a great potential in Yeshitsogyo. And he worked with her for a number of months, and then he left Tibet. And from that point on, the young Yeshitsogyo, decade after decade, was the source of these oral teachings and uh, the keeper of the written teachings. And it was said that she had a photographic memory, that she remembered every word that was taught to her. And so, from the queen of Tibet, well, the queen of the region at the time, the Tibetan queen, let's say, and uh, perhaps nun, although that word usually implies an older form of Buddhism. She was uh, doing practices that, for example, would have been forbidden in uh, the Tipitaka. Uh, but we will learn about all that as we go. But uh, anyway, that's the story of Yeshitsogyo um, from her and with the, with the teachings that were given to her uh, was born what is now referred to as the Nyingma tradition. This here is a Nyingma monk's robe. I am not ordained, but I wear the robe out of respect and love. So that's the story of Yeshitsogyo, and uh, she very much loved her teacher. And, uh, you know, one might even speculate that on a certain level she was in love with him, but she was more devoted to the teachings, which include non-attachment, and the spirit of Brahmacharya, uh, rule one in Parajika, for instance, um, if not the practice, some rules get bent a little bit in Vajrayana, but the idea of not becoming attached to temporal things or people as much as uh, the path toward enlightenment does remain. So um, while she spoke very, very, very highly of him, um, I don't think she would have said that she was in love with him. But anyway, a few hundred years after she passed away, um, the practice of venerating that teacher who came and went um, was adopted and continues to this day. Yes, we all
all know Padmasambhava. So uh, I thought I would tell you that story from maybe a slightly different point of view than you had heard it before. If you're interested, um, I have a podcast that's older than this one that you can get to by clicking right here. It's called What Would Yeshi Do? Um, which focuses on Tibetan Vajrayana Buddhism with an emphasis on uh, Yeshi Tsogyal. And uh, I always try to steer the topic toward her, but the, uh, the various monks from the, the various monastic Vajrayana uh, orders in, in Tibet or from Tibet. Um, while they respect her, her, her statue is found very small beside Padmasambhava at times in his temples. Um, there's only a few stories they usually remember. But uh, I, uh, my mom grew up in a time when women were struggling to be taken seriously. In uh, World War II in the United States and other places, when all the men went off to fight in the war, there was still work to be done. And so, while traditionally women didn't work, um, the rule was changed and women did work and they ran the country. And then when the men came back, uh, the powers that be thought that, okay, now the women should go home and work in the kitchen and have babies and the men should go back to work. And they started coming out with textbooks and propaganda videos and things that they would teach young women in high school about women and their place. And uh, they did not like that. So the, the combination, the one-two punch of like, okay, now you're running the country. You're just as uh, capable of all of the, these jobs as the men are. Now that the men are gone, you can run the country. They did it very well. There was prosperity. But now, okay, now, now, go back. Don't, don't forget that women are inferior to men. Well, they did not like that. And out of that was born that aspect of the civil rights movement in the 60s and the 70s. And uh, as a result, there's a lot more equality. There's women in the military and so on and so forth. But this has been a very recent phenomenon. And... Uh, Prior to all that, as I mentioned before, if it were 1962 rather than 2022, reading uh, this part of the Tipitaka would probably just be like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, the women should be put in their place, as people used to say. Um, when I was very young, in the 80s, my mom would uh, explain to me that this is how men behave. You're still a boy. So you're not yet a man. When you become a man, you will have a choice to act like these male chauvinist pigs, it's a term she often used, or not. And uh, a lot of other people, I think, were raised with similar moms. And uh, then there was a movement where people did their best, tried awkwardly in many ways, uh, as well as fighting and making uh, great positive changes happen. And uh, then there's, of course, the backlash to that. The people who still think that the way that it was before, you know, make America great again, those people. Uh, well, it's sad to see younger people, Zoomers, they call them, so many of them talking about how 
they, they use the word feminism as a, like a bad word. They don't like it. They associate it, I think, with Captain Marvel, where you, where you take the, the old Aristotelian hero's journey and then change the male lead to a female lead and then say, doesn't that look weird? That's why feminism is stupid. And that's a very oversimplified and uh, harebrained interpretation of events. And I think people need to learn a little bit more about history and have a little bit more compassion and allow the world to change for the better. All right. I think I've gotten that all out of my system. I could go on, but that's not what you came here for. I, uh, I just I wanted to apologize for my for the last couple of episodes and my emotional tone and my uh, my reaction to it. I am a human being. I am reading this for the first time, and you are witnessing what that looks like. So I am determined. Here, wait. I am determined, now that you know where I'm coming from as far as all that goes, that is part of the outer petals of the mandala, the core of the mandala, of course, hopefully we're all pretty familiar with, the eightfold path, the four noble truths, the wisdom and the path of enlightenment. What we're reading now is the bureaucratic structure, the, the rules and regulations, the you know, 2,600-year-old way of things that was uh, implemented in order for the teachings of the Buddha to last longer than his lifetime. Um, for those who are still listening to me who didn't hear the uh, Parajika episodes, um, at the very beginning, the one I point to, it all starts out with, well, basically, it all starts out with Ananda asking Lord Buddha, how can we make sure that this order of monks lasts a long time? In other words, lasts longer than the life of the Buddha by more than 10, 50 years, even more than 100 years, perhaps, which, as we know, it did. And Lord Buddha said, we have to have a set of rules, and we have to make all the monks chant them at certain times and so that they'll remember them, and that will create the structure that will allow these teachings to last through the centuries. Ananda said, uh, well, teach us, get, give us the rules. And Lord Buddha said, I'll give you the rules as things come up. And so what we're reading is the things coming up. Something happens, the six monks do this, and Lord Buddha makes a rule. I look forward to getting to the actual teachings because that is the gold at the heart of the mandala. But right now we're filling in the gaps, exploring the edges of the mandala. And for today, now that I have said everything that I said to you, I will set aside my considerations and uh, read the scriptures without stopping to talk about how sexist it is, because of course it is. It was before the mid-1960s, by a lot. And uh, so... I hope you will forgive me for any, any wrongdoing that I may have uh, committed in the last few episodes, and perhaps the beginning of this episode. And I will now begin reading Expiation, Pakitiya, 27. Oh, I guess we ended, yeah, yeah, we'll start with 27.
Hopefully I said that earlier. At one time, the Enlightened One, the Lord, was staying at Savati in the Jetta Grove in Anattapindika's monastery. Now, at that time, the group of six monks... Let's make it fun. What are they up to now? The group of six monks, having arranged together with nuns, like Yeshitsogyo, for instance, were going along the same high road. People, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, Just as we tour with our wives, so do these recluses, sons of the Sakyans, tour together with nuns, end quote. Heaven forbid. Monks heard these people who three dots spread it about. Those who were modest monks, three dots spread it about, saying, quote, How can this group of six monks, having arranged together with nuns, go along the same high road? End quote. Quote, is it true, as is said, that you, monks, three dots the same high road? End quote. Quote, it is true, Lord. End quote. The enlightened one. The Lord rebuked them, saying, quote, How can you, foolish men, three dots the same high road? It is not foolish men for pleasing those who are not yet in parentheses pleased. Three dots. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk, having arranged together with a nun, should go along the same high road, even among villages, there is an offense of expiation. End quote. And thus, this rule of training for monks came to be laid down by the Lord. Now, at that time, several monks and nuns came to be going along the high road from Saketa to Savati. Then these nuns spoke thus to these monks. Quote, we will go along with the masters, end quote. Quote, sisters, it is not allowable, having arranged together with a nun to go along the same high road. Either you go first or we will go, parentheses first, end parentheses, end quote. Quote, honored sirs, the masters are the highest men. So let the masters go first, end quote. Then, as those nuns were going last, thieves robbed them on the way and assaulted them. Then these nuns, having arrived at Savati, told this matter to the nuns. The nuns, three dots, to the monks. The monks, three dots, to the Lord. Then the Lord, on this occasion, in this connection, having given reason talk, addressed the monks, saying, quote, I'm sorry that my poor judgment got you attacked and... Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> very, very kidding. Very kidding. I'm very... No. Very serious. What did he say? Lord Buddha said, quote, I allow you, monks, to go along the same high road, having arranged together with a nun, if it is on a road, agreed upon as dangerous, frightening, Parentheses where, close parentheses, one must go with a weapon, 
And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk, having arranged together with a nun, should go along the same high road, even among villages, except at the right time, there is an offense of expiation. In this case, this is the right time. If a road becomes agreed upon as dangerous, frightening, parentheses where, close parentheses, one must go with a weapon, this is the right time in this case. End quote. Whatever means, two more and we'll do the flashback. Monk means, none means one ordained by both orders. Together with means together. Having arranged means if one arranges, saying, quote, then quotes, we are going, sister, we are going, master, we are going, master, we are going, sister. All right. We are going either today or tomorrow or the next day. End quote, then quotes, there is an offense of wrongdoing. What? Having arranged, meaning if one arranges, saying we are going sister, we are going master, we are going master, we are going sister, either tomorrow or the next day there is an offense of wrongdoing. Scholars of Theravada, for whom that made sense, please contact me, comment below, and explain. What is the wrongdoing in this case? Is it a poor translation? Should I be looking at the Sanskrit-based translations and comparing them? That, that, that objectively does not make sense. Even among villages means in a village close enough for a cock. Parentheses, to walk. Ah, rhyming. And parentheses. Oh, like a rooster. All right, all right, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Among every parenthesis such, close parenthesis village, there is an offense of expiation. For every half yojana in what is not a village, in a jungle, there is an offense of expiation. Except at the right time means setting aside the right time. A road where one must go with a weapon means it comes to be impossible to go without a weapon. Dangerous means, if on this road, a place where thieves are halting is seen, a place where they are eating is seen, a place where they are resting is seen, a place where they are sitting down is seen, a place where they are lying down is seen. So a place where there are people, because, I mean, what do thieves look like? Anyway, <clears throat> sorry, frightening means... If on this road people injured by thieves are seen, parentheses people, close parentheses, plundered are seen, parentheses people, close parentheses, beaten down are seen. Having gone to a frightening, parentheses place, close parentheses, having seen that it is not frightening, they should be dismissed with the words, go sisters, in parentheses, I mean in quotes, within quotes, because he's talking, saying what say quotes within quotes right we're all here if he thinks that it was arranged when it was arranged oh you're not supposed to arrange it so if you just end up on the same road i'm still a little confused um the parentheses and close parentheses goes along the same high road even among villages except at the right time there is an offense of expiation if he is in doubt as to whether it was arranged, three dots. If he thinks that it was not arranged when it was arranged, three dots, there is an offense of expiation. 
If a monk arranges, parentheses and, close parentheses, a nun does not arrange, there is an offensive wrongdoing. So if there's a conspiracy between monks and nuns to walk on the same high road when it's not dangerous, that's the offensive expiation. All right. Arranging it is the wrongdoing. Actually acting on the arranged plan is the offensive expiation. I think I understand that part that was confusing. All right. <clears throat> if he thinks that it was arranged when it was not arranged, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If he is in doubt as to whether it was not arranged, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If he thinks that it was not arranged when it was not arranged, there is no offense. <sighs> All right. There is no offense if it is at the right time. If he does, if he goes not having arranged. So if you just happen to be walking in the same place at the same time, I, I guess. If the nun arranges, parentheses, and the monk does not arrange. Oh, if it's the nun's idea, then it's okay. Hmm. Progressive. <laughs> Sorry. If they go without, parentheses, making, I'm really looking forward to when this section is finished. Uh, without parentheses, making, uh, close parentheses, a rendezvous. If there are dangers, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer, if the monk is just out of his freaking mind, just can't tell right from wrong, no sense of what's reality and what's not reality, then it's okay for him to travel with the nuns because he's mad. All right, the seventh. I'm going to keep reading because we're almost done, and that'll be nice to be on a different topic. Expiation. Parentheses, pakitia, close parentheses, 28. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Savati in the Jetta Grove in Anattapindika's monastery. Now at that time, the group of six monks, having arranged together with parentheses, some close parentheses, nuns, embarked in one boat. Let me guess, monks and nuns shouldn't be in one boat together because they might have sex. Sorry. People, three dots, spread it about, ah, people talking, because they live in a society that's totally f***ed. Sorry. People, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, Just as we amuse ourselves in a boat with our wives, so do recluses, sons of the Sakyans, having arranged together with the nuns, amuse themselves in a boat. Three dots. Well, we've got to do something about changing the way we behave so that those won't judge us, I guess, is the best way to preserve the teachings for a long time. Sometimes when you're trying to preserve something for a long time, uh, uh, mm, sorry, right, monks heard these people who three dots spread it about. Those who were modest monks, modest, modest, is that the word we're using? Modest? I mean, when the people were messing around with the, with the female monkey, yeah, modest monks would... But modest monks, hearing about monks and nuns traveling in the same boat, go, yeah, yeah, that asshole's right. They, they, they shouldn't be in one boat. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, how can this group of six monks, having arranged together with nuns, embark in one boat? Three dots. Is it true, as is said, that you, monks, 
having arranged together with nuns embarked in one boat. It is true, Lord. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them, saying, quote, How can you, foolish men, three dots, embark in one boat? It is not foolish men, three dots. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk, having arranged together with a nun, should embark in one boat, going either upstream or downstream, there is an offense of expiation. End quote. They were pretty far from the ocean, so they were mostly talking about streams and rivers, right? Bihar. And thus this rule of training for monks came to be laid down by the Lord. Now at that time several monks and nuns were going along the high road from Saketa to Savati. On the way there was a river to be crossed. The nuns spoke thus to these monks, quote, we will cross over together with the masters, end quote. Quote, sisters, it is not allowable, having arranged together with a nun to embark in one boat. Either you cross over first or we will cross over, parentheses, first, close parentheses, end quote. Quote, honored sirs, the masters are the highest men, so let the masters cross over first, end quote. Then, as those nuns were crossing over la uh, last, thieves robbed them and assaulted them. Then these nuns, having arrived at Savati, told this matter to the nuns. The nuns, three dots, to the monks. The monks, three dots, to the Lord. Then the Lord, on this occasion, in this connection, having given reasons to talk, addressed the monks, saying, quote, I allow you, monks, to embark in one boat, having arranged together with a nun, if it is for crossing over to the other bank. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. Whatever monk having arranged together with a nun should embark in one boat, either going, going either upstream or downstream, except for crossing over to the other bank, there is an offense of expiation. End quote. Whatever means three dots. Monk means three dots. Nun means one ordained by both orders. Together with means together. Having arranged means, if one arranges, saying, quote, within quotes, we are embarking, sister, we are embarking, master, we are embarking, master, we are embarking, sister, we are embarking either today or tomorrow or the next day, and quote, within quotes, there is an offensive wrongdoing, because you're arranging something forbidden. If the monk embarks when the nun has embarked, there is an offensive expiation. If the nun embarks when the monk has embarked, there is an offensive expiation. Or if both embark, there is an offense of expiation. Going upstream means upstream. Going downstream means, any guesses? Downstream. Except for crossing over to the other bank means setting aside for crossing over to the other bank, obviously. In a village close enough for a cock to walk, to walk is in parentheses, among every such, in parentheses, village, there is an offense of expiation. For every half yojana in what is not a village, in a jungle, there is an offense of expiation. If he thinks that it was arranged what it was arranged, and, in parentheses, embarks in the same boat, going either upstream or downstream, except for crossing over to the other bank, there is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether it was arranged, three dots, See Pakitia 7, part 3 and part 2, three dots, no offense.
Thank you, Ms. Horner. I, got, I was tired of reading the translation, so you were tired of translating, I was tired of reading. Let's just put everything in, in three dots. It's basically more of the same. All right, that's the end of TV Talk. Just kidding. There is no offense if it is for crossing over to the other bank. If they embark not having arranged, if the nun arranges, parentheses, and, close parentheses, the monk does not arrange. If they embark without, parentheses, making, close parentheses, a rendezvous, rendezvous. If there are dangers, if he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer. The eighth, by all means, go up and downstream with a crazy monk. I'm sorry, crazy isn't PC, is it? Expiation, Pakitia, 29. At one time, the enlightened one, the Lord, was staying at Rajagaha, Rajgir, in the bamboo grove at the squirrel's feeding place. Now, at that time, the nuns, I think we're, you guys aren't in this one. So. Now, at that time, the nun, Tulananda came to frequent a certain family as a regular diner, and the monks who were elders came to be invited by that householder. Then the nun Tuladana, dressing in the morning, taking her bowl and robe, approached that family, and having approached, she said to that householder, quote, Householder, why is this abundant solid food and soft food prepared? End quote. Quote, Lady, Elders are invited by me, end quote. quote. But who are the elders for you, householder, end quote. Quote, Master Shariputra, oh, we know him. Master Mogalana the Great, oh, we know him. Master Kokana the Great, it sounds familiar. Master Gotita the Great, doesn't sound familiar. Master Gapina the Great, you're just making this up, aren't you? Master Kunda the Great, all right. Master Anuruda, sounds familiar. Master Rivata, Master Upali, Master Ananda, we know him, and Master Rahula, end quote. Quote, but why did you, householder, invite fellows posing as great heroes? Ooh, shots fired, I guess. End quote. Quote, but who are the great heroes for you, sister? End quote. Quote, Master Devadatta, Master Kokalika, Master Katamorakatisaka, Master the son of the Lady Kanda, Master Samudadatta. You remember these guys? Uh, Monty Python, would you? Yeah, exactly. They were the, uh, the schism the schismatic uh, little subcult following this guy's wrongful teachings, and I believe he's a cousin of the Buddha. <clears throat> so uh, this nun is uh, part of that. All right, let's see where it goes. Now I'm curious. Now this chance talk of the nun Tulananda was interrupted when these monks who were elders entered, she said, quote, Householder, is it true that the great heroes are invited by you? End quote. Quote, you lady called them now fellows, them in parentheses. End quote, within quotes, 
fellows is in quotes within quotes. Now, uh, quote, great heroes, end quote within quotes, end quote. He said, and, the, and he turned her out of the house and put an end to regular dining. Those who were modest monks, three dots, spread it about, saying, quote, <clears throat> How can Devadatta eat alms food knowing that it was procured through, parentheses, the intervention of, and parentheses, a nun? End quote. What? Let's keep reading. Maybe it will become clear. Three dots. Quote, Is it true that you, Devadatta, ate alms food? knowing that it was procured through, parentheses, the intervention of a nun. When did that happen in the story? I mean, maybe I'm just dense, but I'm not really understanding what's happening here, but I'll keep reading. Quote, It is true, Lord. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked him, saying, How can you, foolish man eat alms food knowing that it was procured through parentheses the intervention of and parentheses a nun it is not foolish man for pleasing those who are not yet in parentheses pleased three dots and thus monks this rule of training should be set forth whatever monk should eat alms food knowing that it was procured through parentheses the intervention of and parentheses a nun there is an offense of expiation End quote. And thus this rule of training for monks came to be laid down by the Lord. Okay, you guys are done. And, yeah, I know. This guy, he, he has a double role. One time I was uh, in Fiddler on the Roof, and I played the role of Fiatka, the, uh, the Christian Russian who marries the youngest of Tevye's daughters, Chava. Uh, anyway, but in, during some scenes, I would actually change my clothes very quickly, and I would be one of the, the Russian Jews, you know, dancing or doing Shabbat, you know, and then I would change back into my regular Russian clothes and come out and be Fiedka. Well, in a similar way, this guy is one of the six monks. At least he's come to be one of the six monks. I don't know if he was the first time they were introduced, but he's, he's also... Um, apparently one of the uh, schismatic monks. Moving along, not important. Now at that time, a certain monk who had gone forth from Rajagaha arrived at a family of, parentheses, his, close parentheses, relations. People saying, quote, at last the reverend sir is come, and, and, quote, duly made ready a meal. A nun who frequented that family spoke thus to these people, quote, sirs, give a meal to the master, end quote. Then that monk thinking, quote, it is forbidden by the Lord to eat alms food, knowing that it was procured through, parentheses, the intervention of, close parentheses, a nun, end quote. Being scrupulous, did not accept it. He was not able to walk for alms. He became famished. Then that monk, having gone to the monastery, told this matter to the monks. The monks told this matter to the Lord. Then the Lord, on this occasion, in this connection, having given reasoned talk, addressed the monks, saying, quote, I allow you monks to eat alms food, knowing that it was procured through, parentheses, the intervention of, close parentheses, a nun, if there is a prior arrangement with the householder. And thus, monks, this rule of training should be set forth. 
Whatever monk should eat alms food, knowing that it was procured through, parentheses, the intervention of, close parentheses, a nun, unless there is a prior arrangement with the householder, there is an offense of expiation. Whatever means three dots. Monk means three dots. He knows means either he knows by himself or others tell him or she herself tells him. A nun means one ordained by both orders. Procures means previously not desirous of giving, not desirous of treating him. If she says, quote, the master is a repeater, the master is very learned, the master is versed in the sutantas, the master is an expert in vinaya, the master is a speaker of dhamma, give to the master, treat the master, and quote, this means procures. Alms food means any one meal of the five parentheses kinds of close parentheses meals. Unless there is a prior arrangement with the householder means setting aside the arrangement with the householder. Oh, now that's clear. All right. Uh, yes. An arrangement with the householder means they are relations or they are invited or they are ordinarily prepared parentheses for the monk and parentheses. Now it's actually clear. All right. If he says, quote, within quotes, I will eat and quote, then quotes, and accepts parentheses, a meal, close parentheses, unless there is a prior arrangement with the householder, there is an offense of wrongdoing. For each mouthful, there is an offense of expiation. Nice. <laughs> oh, now that's one crime. Oh, that's crime number two. <laughs> oh, crime number three. I like that. All right. If he thinks that it is procured when it is procured, parentheses, and close parentheses, eats it. Unless there is a prior arrangement with the householder, there is an offense of expiation. If he is in doubt as to whether it is procured, parentheses, and, in parentheses, eats, three dots, with the householder, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that it is not procured when it is procured, parentheses, and, close parentheses, eats, three dots, with the householder, there is no offense. If he eats what is procured through, parentheses, the intervention of, close parentheses, one ordained by one, open parentheses, order only, close parentheses, Unless there is a prior arrangement with the householder, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that it is procured when it is not procured, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he is in doubt as to whether it is not procured, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If he thinks that it is not procured when it is not procured, there is no offense. There is no offense if there is a prior arrangement with the householder, if a female probationer procures it, if a female novice procures it, setting aside the five parentheses kinds of close parentheses meals, there is no offense in parentheses eating close parentheses any others. All right. If he is mad, if he is the first wrongdoer, the ninth. All right. So next time we will begin by reading the last of this set of 10 rules. And then we can do the keys and move on to another section. And that will be a cause for celebration. Therefore, this is also a cause for celebration even as New Year's Eve is a cause for celebration. Um, thank you for, for going on this ride with me, and uh, thank you for, um, I mean, I don't know. I'm talking to hypothetical people. I don't know who you are. 
I don't know if you're in Bhutan or the US or Canada or Tibet or India. I don't know if you're a right winger, a left winger, male, female, old or young. I don't know if you were disgusted by my opening statements or in total agreement with them. But uh, whatever the case may be, may you be happy, may you be serene, may you be in peace. All right. Now, at the risk of being redundant, I'll do my usual closing now. Special thanks to our special guest, Yeshin Sokil, and her teacher, that guy from Pakistan. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Oh. Until next time.